Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Your freedom in Christ is of the utmost importance, not only for yourself, but for those around you. You cannot afford to go back into bondage. You can't yourself because you can't handle it, but those who are surrounded by you within your sphere of influence, they can't have it. They're watching you. That's how, that's, that's how high the stakes are. You can't go back into the law. You can't go back into those, those demands that, that were placed upon us that we were never gonna be able to meet. In today's message, Pastor James will remind you that there is freedom in Christ. Many might think of religion as a way of controlling their life, ruining their fun, and limiting what they can do. In reality, they're almost right. Religion will tell you to do all of these things and don't do all these other things, and then you're right with God. But Jesus says, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. All it takes is faith to be right with God. He has expectations, but not in exchange for righteousness. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Galatians chapter 2. Let's look at this. We're going to start in verse, verse 1. Uh, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Hopefully that's cool with you guys. If you're in ESV, New King James, uh, NIV, it's going to word it just a little bit different, but you'll understand. I mean, it's, it's all essentially saying the same thing. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says this. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again. All right? So just so you understand from chapter 1, uh, Paul was addressing the fact that they were, they were questioning his authority. They're like, who made you an apostle? And Paul says, well, Jesus made me an apostle. There you go. He wasn't, I, I wasn't made an apostle by the apostles. I was made an apostle by Jesus himself on the road to Damascus. That's who commissioned me into this, this uh, mission. So he, that was one of the first things that he addressed with these guys. And so he, he follows up with, chapter two, although there's no chapter divisions in the original text, but you get it. He goes on to say, he's like, look, I went to Jerusalem. I hung out with the apostles. He says, 14 years later, after he spent some time on his own, okay, after he got saved, he was commissioned. He spent three years in the Arabian desert through Bible college and all that good stuff, his own time with Jesus. Then it says, 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas and, and Titus came along too. He says, I went there because God revealed to me that I should go, or I had this revelation that I should go down there. So that's why I went to Jerusalem. He says, while I was there, I met, with, I met privately with those considered to be leaders um, or those who are, are assumed to be of high uh, esteem or, or however yours may translate that. Um, he says, I met privately with these guys. Uh, of the church and shared with them the message I've been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that, uh, that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing or I was running the race in vain. So here's the beauty of this message that Paul's saying. He's defending his apostleship, okay? And, and it's not just like, because people can show up and say anything that they want. 
you could come to me and say, listen, I'm an apostle. Um, and I'd say, okay, well, prove it. Like, what makes you an apostle? Well, Jesus told me I was. Okay. Um, that's still, but who are you? What's your message? Because I have encountered people who claim to be sent by God. And I say, well, what's your message? And their message is one of hate. And, and it's like, well, no, that doesn't agree with the gospel. That doesn't agree with the Bible. You can't be sent by God and have a message that's contrary to what he's already said. That, that doesn't mean you're sent by him, okay? So what Paul is saying here is like, look, I was commissioned by Jesus, okay? And then I met with the leaders of the church just to confirm the fact that what I was teaching uh, was, was copacetic. It was, it was cool. Like we're on the same page. And so he spent some time with those guys. And I appreciate that from Paul because he's not just like going around saying like, look, I don't need anybody's approval. I don't need anybody's approval. I met with Jesus. I got the gospel. Now I'm going to give it out. Now either get out of my way or whatever. He doesn't have that mentality. He's like, listen, I will meet with the leaders so that we can make sure that we're all on the same page that this gospel message, this good news that we're giving out is the same good news. It's the same message. And it was, and it was. So he met with those guys and he goes on to say just a little bit more about that meeting. Um, he says that there were some, some individuals who uh, were considered of, of high esteem or, or whatever. And Paul wasn't too impressed with uh, necessarily with, with their position, so to speak. Um, I'll read to you from the ESV. It says, um, he goes on to say that in that same verse, I went up because of a revelation set, uh, and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential. Right, And he's going to repeat that phrase a few times throughout the rest of this chapter. Individuals who seemed influential. He says, the gospel that I proclaimed to the Gentiles in order, in order to make sure I wasn't running or had not run in vain. He says, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised. Praise God for that. This grown man wasn't forced to be circumcised, okay? Nobody's more happy about that than Titus himself, okay? So uh, it says he's a Greek. So this guy, he wasn't circumcised at birth. And they, what and Paul's saying is like, when I met with the leaders, they, they didn't make Titus get circumcised. See, that's key for the rest of this chapter because the leaders, the recognized leaders of the church, you in, in three of the pillars, James, Peter, and John, all met with Titus and Paul and Barnabas, and they knew who Titus was. They knew this guy's a Greek. I mean, you can prove circumcised or not in a very simple way, right? There was, that could have been done and they didn't require him to be circumcised. The leaders of the church were not requiring this. So what gives these false teachers the right to come, come in after Paul and say, no, no, you have to be circumcised. See, there's a conflict in the message. And, and I would rather, in agreement with Paul there, I, I'd rather trust on what the leaders, the established leaders of the church had said, no, this is, this is what we're, the circumcision, it's not that, it's, it's not about, it's not even about the physical circumcision. It's a spiritual circumcision. That's the most important thing. It's the circumcision of your heart that matters the most. And if you read the Bible and kept it in the context of what it actually says, then you would understand that. But we like to take the Bible out of context and push it into these little forms and make people live up to these standards of how we interpret what the Bible says. And that's not right. 
So Paul, he's letting, he's laying down the, he's laying down the groundwork. He's, this is a letter written to all those churches in Galatia. And he's like, listen, I met with these guys. Titus was with me. He didn't have to get circumcised because again, the message to all the people in the region of Galatia was if you want to be good with God, you have to be circumcised. Paul's like, that's not true. If it were true, then why, why wasn't Titus circumcised? He says, verse four, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in. So somebody had snuck in some, uh, some moles, okay, some false brothers into this meeting. He says, they slipped in to, to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. So the intent behind the enemy is to get in, it's to sneak in there, and what? And to bring people who are now set free back into bondage through the law, through the law. And Paul, Paul spotted them. He spotted them. He says, verse five, to them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment. We didn't give those guys even a second. So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. See, and here, here's what I would wanna stress for, for you and, and for myself. Your freedom in Christ is of the utmost importance, not only for yourself, but for those around you. You cannot afford to go back into bondage. You can't yourself because you can't handle it, but those who are surrounded by you within your sphere of influence, they can't have it. They're watching you. That's how, that's, that's how high the stakes are. You can't go back into the law. You can't go back into those, those demands that, that were placed upon us that we were never going to be able to meet. And Paul, Paul's recognizing that with these, these snakes who come into this meeting, they're looking to bring them back under the bondage of the, of the law. And Paul's like, no, we're not going to have it. And not just for our sake, but for the sake of others. We've been set free in Christ. And that is of the utmost importance for ourselves, but more importantly, for those around us. Your freedom in Christ, yes, it's a benefit and it's a blessing to you, but it's a bigger benefit and blessing for other people in your life because they're watching. They're watching you. He goes on to say, and from those who seem to be influential, there's that term again, um, or that phrase, uh, those who seem to be influential, he's, and he says in parentheses there, uh, what they were makes no difference to me. He's like, I don't really care. I love that. There, nothing brings a smile more to my face than, than reading that phrase right there. I love Paul's attitude. He could care less about celebrities in the church. He could care less about people who think there's something within the church. He's like, I don't know who these guys think they are. He's like, they're nobody to me. I love that because in our church world today, there's a celebrity culture and it is nonsensical. It is so silly, so silly, right? If, if, if some pastor were to show up here and you're like, you know, just too scared to even talk to them. Now that's silly. That's silly, right? Or if you ever ask a pastor for his autograph, that's wrong, okay? And if he ever gives you one, that's wrong, right? That's just nonsense, okay? That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard, okay? Listen, there's no room for celebrities. All of us who show up to church on a Sunday morning or a Thursday or a Wednesday, whether it's live streaming or whether it's in a parking lot, we're all the same. We're all the same. We're all messed up people in need of a savior. That's who we are. That's who we are. What do they say? The, the ground at the cross, it's level, it's even. Nobody is, is more highly elevated than somebody else. I don't care who they are. I don't care how many followers they have. I don't, it doesn't matter. 
And Paul's like, there's these guys who seem to be, you know, influential. He's like, I don't really care about that because it doesn't matter to me who they think they are because they're a nobody to me because we're all the same. I'm a nobody. They're a nobody. We're all in the same boat. So don't get offended by that because we're all the same. All right. So Paul's, he's just throwing it down. And I, I just love the honesty. I love that he's willing to say these difficult things and he's not too concerned about hurting people's feelings. He's just not. Because sometimes with false teachers, their toes need to be stepped on. It's okay to hurt their feelings if the feelings need to be corrected, so to speak, right? Paul's like, I don't know. They thought they were somebody, but really they're not anybody. And he goes on to say, he's like, God doesn't show partiality. So he's, it's not like God shows partiality towards like one group of individuals over another group of individuals. We've seen that sadly throughout human history that that's been, um, that's been kind of communicated to a certain extent. You know, and even unfortunately within this country that we live in, some of, the, some of the verbiage that was being thrown around was if your skin color is different, you're not in favor with God, which is the biggest lie there is. It's garbage. Paul says right here, God shows no partiality. It doesn't matter what your bank account is. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. None of that matters to God. As he looks down at us, he, he sees us as his creation, all men and women created in the image of God. He's not, God's not really impressed with anybody more than somebody else. I hope you understand that. God's not in heaven sitting on his throne thinking like, wow, did you guys see that Billy Graham guy? That dude's impressive, right? I mean, I wish James Grizzle was a little bit more like him, but he's not, you know, and he's, that's not how God functions. Oh, I hope you understand that. He looks down at us and says, he sees me. He sees me covered in his son's blood, righteous. That's my boy. That's my girl. That's how he sees us. No partiality, no partiality. That's uh, definitely a lesson the church could learn, right? If we're honest, the church could definitely learn that lesson. We, sometimes we are guilty of showing partiality. Uh, and I'm not just talking about our church. I'm sure at times we have been guilty of that. We're not a perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're not gonna find one. Um, we want to combat against this at, at all, you know, at all costs. We will, we don't want to show anybody preferential treatment. Okay. Nobody's going to get like a special seat in the sanctuary when we can open it back up. You know, that, that nobody gets their own pew in this church. That doesn't happen. You know that, right? Like there's nobody that, that, that doesn't fly. You walk in through these doors, you're treated just like everybody else, just like everybody else. Um, and that means that we love you and that we care about you. So just like we love anybody that walks in these doors, I don't care who they are. No partiality. He goes on to say, to, to finish up that, that phrase there, he says, those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me, right? There you go again. These important people, he's like, I didn't really get anything from them. Um, I don't know. They dress like they're important. They walked around like they're important. They seemed to think they were really important but they didn't add anything to my life. So go figure, right? He goes on to say, uh, on the contrary, I'm, I'm in the ESV now. I, I had to jump over there to there, but uh, he says, on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrust, entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, so the uncircumcised being the Gentiles, the circumcised being the Jews, okay? 
He says, they, they saw that I was entrusted to bring the gospel to the, to the Gentiles. Peter was entrusted to bring the gospel to the Jews. Um, he says, verse eight, for, for he, the Holy Spirit, who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised also worked through uh, me for mine to the Gentiles. So he's saying that the church leaders recognize that Paul was called to the Gentiles and that the same Holy Spirit that was working through Peter, if you guys remember back in Acts, Acts chapter two, when Peter stood up and he proclaimed this great gospel message and thousands of people got saved, they were Jews who were getting saved. They understood that uh, the same spirit who was working through Peter was now working through Paul to the Gentiles. And how are you gonna fight against that? What are you gonna say about that? You can't say anything about that. You can't deny it. And that's the thing is Paul comes back, um, you know, and he's, he's sharing with not only first missionary journey kind of stuff, but even when he was serving up in, you know, where he was, where he was out after, after uh, the road to Damascus experience, he was still sharing the gospel up there. And he's reporting back. He's like, I'm sharing the gospel and these Gentiles are getting saved. The Holy Spirit is falling on these Gentiles. Peter himself could testify of that because he was in the house of Cornelius when the Holy Spirit fell on those guys. There's no denying it. And the leaders of the church, they didn't deny it. They actually recognized it. He goes on to say, verse nine, in fact, James, Peter, and John, or James, yours may say Cephas, that was the other name for Peter. James and Peter and John, who were known as the pillars of the church, recognized the gift that God had given me. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers or co-laborers, right? So we're, we're all on the same team. We all have the same message. And the same message is this, Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for your sins, rose from the grave three days later, and whoever wants to be saved, all you gotta do is just place your faith, your trust in him. That's it, like that's the gospel message. Peter was sharing that, James was sharing that, John was sharing that, Philip was sharing that. I mean, all these guys were sharing the same message. Paul, Barnabas, Titus, they're all sharing the same message. They're all on the same team. It says, they encourage us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continue the work with the Jews. Their only suggestion, suggestion was that we keep helping the poor, which we've always been eager to do, which Paul says, which I was, I was eager to do that. I was gonna, we're gonna keep helping the poor. And that, that's the only like restriction. Now there's gonna come some other things when we jump back into the book of Acts in Acts 15, where they say, listen, um, so if you're gonna you know, share the gospel with Gentiles, uh, we, we don't wanna add anything to these guys. Uh, however, you know, we should probably keep telling them, you know, let's, um, you know, there's, there are a few dietary kind of things that they should avoid and all that stuff, right? But as far as Paul and Barnabas and their mission in proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles, they said, listen, just do that, but let's keep taking care of the poor. So that's what they were gonna do. Um, that is a responsibility that the church should be eager to embrace as well, taking care of the poor. Now that, define what poor is, right? I mean, what's poor? What does that mean? Who is poor? Um, in America, the wealthiest nation on this planet, who is, real, who is poor? And is every person on a street corner with a sign, are they really poor? Do we, are we really supposed to help every single one of those guys? Well, I would say this. Um, if the Holy Spirit 
puts it on your heart to help them, then yes, help them. If you're aware of a need that's out there, some family that, my goodness, they've lost their job. They've been unemployed for the past month and a half and they have no more food. If you're aware of it, you as a believer have the responsibility to help them out. You may not have the funds or the means to help them, but you being aware of it puts you in responsibility to do something about it, meaning reach out to somebody who can help them out. So if you know of a family that doesn't have anything, you can contact us, calvarygalveston at gmail.com. You can contact us through Facebook, send us a message. We don't have unlimited resources, but we do have resources and we can help out. The church, especially right now, should be stepping up to help out in any way that they possibly can. And if we don't, if we turn our backs to people in this time, my goodness, what a disgrace, right? But if you're aware of somebody who needs help, our responsibility as believers is to come alongside those who need help. If there's widows who need help, we help out the widows. If there's orphans who need help, we help out the orphans. If there's people who are in need, the church's role is to come alongside them. Now, if you're at a stoplight and there's a guy holding up a sign and it's whatever that sign may say, that's up to you. If you feel like the, the Lord is saying, hey, help that person out, then help them out. If, the Lord, if you feel like, I don't feel like I should help them out right now, well, then, then don't help them out and be okay with that. And be okay. There's no guilt in that. You shouldn't be feel guilty for that. I've had many occasions where I've chosen to help them out. And sometimes that help has been well-received and other times it was not all that well received because honestly, they didn't really want a free meal and a drink and a huge bottle of water. And I'm like, listen, this is what I have. If you really want help, this is, this is what I have. To, I don't have cash. I don't carry cash on me, okay? There you go. In case you want to like hold me up or anything, like I don't carry cash on me, okay? I just don't. Um, so there you go. Find somebody else. Actually, just don't break the law. How's that? Okay, don't do that, all right? But we help out however we can help out. Just be led by the Spirit. The Spirit's really good at touching, tagging on your heart or tugging on your heart, so to speak, and saying, listen, see that person? Go help them out. Go buy them a meal. Go buy them some Taco Bell or something like that. Just be sensitive to the Spirit. You know, just, just have eyes open to see who the poor are and who really needs to be helped. But I would hope that our heart is, in, is eager to help out especially in these tough times where you might be facing financial crisis as well. I can tell you this, uh, you can absolutely trust in the Lord to be there for you. He, can, he will absolutely be there for you. What does that mean? How does that look? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that looks for you. I know that there's been times in our lives, my family's life, where it's been like, Lord, if you don't show up and do something, I don't know what's gonna happen. And miraculously, he knows how to show up unfortunately, at the midnight hour, so to speak, at the last second and say, hey, oh, look, you're not forgotten. I got you. I got you. So with that in mind, Paul lays down his credentials and everything's good. I'm an apostle commissioned by Jesus, recognized by the other leaders of the church. My message is the same message that they're delivering. It's cool. We're good, Right. And then Peter shows up to Antioch and we got an issue. We got, some, we got an issue within the church. And listen, I, I'm gonna tell you this right now. There are some fights in a church that are willing to be had, okay? 
Nobody likes church fighting, but there are sometimes issues within the church that we absolutely will have to stand up for. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Galatians, a New Testament letter penned by the Apostle Paul. Its lessons on unity and holiness may have been written long ago, but these truths can still be applied in your life today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the messages you've heard on Bread for the Broken. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor James on this topic, you can visit our website today at breadforthebroken.com. Do you live in the Galveston area, and are you looking for a church home? We'd be honored to have you join us at Calvary Galveston this Sunday at 10 a.m. We're a laid-back church, and we encourage you to simply come as you are. You can get directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. If you're not able to come in person, that's okay. We're streaming our weekly services on Facebook Live. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask you a question. Would you partner with us here at Bread for the Broken? We'd be honored if you'd pray with us for everyone who's listening to this program, that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated, no matter the size. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for coming alongside us to share the gospel message. And thanks for listening today to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love, man, and give it.